are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. Amen. Well, good morning. I uh, hope you are doing well. If you're a guest with us today, uh, my name is Lee. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is so good uh, to have you with us in person. And for those of you that are joining online this morning, we want to say uh, good morning to you as well. If you were here last week, you know it was a little different of a week, was it not? And uh, what happened, if you weren't here, just to let you know, uh, during our 9 o'clock service last week, we lost power. Uh, and so 1030, we were out kind of in the breezeway and had a quick worship service there. But it's good to have the lights back on. Good to be back in those green chairs and have the AC blowing. Amen. You know, and so what, what essentially happened was Texas, New Mexico was working on a line uh, down the street. And uh, we get kind of three legs of power in. And they accidentally knocked off one of those legs of power. And so we were underpowered here. Um, and that's about all I understand on electricity, okay? So, hey, it's all working again. So I appreciate everybody who helped out with that last week and uh, got us back, uh, back in here. It's good to see you guys. If you're a guest with us today, there is a way that you can connect with us uh, with the welcome card that's in front of you. And uh, you can simply fill that out. And then we have gray offering boxes that are around the exit doors. You can simply just slip that in that uh, offering box or online. Uh, there's a link called Connect right there that you can fill out. We'd love to be able to connect with you as well. And one of the reasons we want to do that, see how we can pray for you, uh, see how we might be able to serve you during this time as well, answer any questions you might have about heights. And so this morning, I want to open us in prayer, and then we are going to be in Matthew chapter 24 this morning. And so that's where we're going to be uh, after we pray. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you uh, for the morning we have been able to have uh, to sing. Uh, Lord, it is good to sing to you. Psalm 29 verse 2 tells us to ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And Father, when we sing together, we worship you vertically, but we encourage each other in those songs. And Lord, it is good to sing of your holiness because we know right now in the Bible when we get pictures into heaven, we see angels singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. And Lord, we join in with those angels this morning saying that you are holy. You are without sin. You are perfect in all ways. And Father, thank you for who you are. We pray Psalm 29 verse 11 this morning, and we ask that the Lord strengthen us, Father, that you would bless us and so, Father, I pray that for those that are watching online, uh, listening to our podcast here in person, may you strengthen us today. Father, may you bless us, and in return, may we continue to give you the glory that is due your name. And so, Lord, as we open your word, we ask that it does the spiritual surgery it needs to do in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls today. Lord, bring us back into a, a, a right relationship with you. Correct what needs to be corrected. Encourage us, strengthen us. Whatever the Holy Spirit needs to do within us, corporately, individually, 
We pray, Father, uh, for that work of the Holy Spirit as we open the Word of God. We pray in Christ's name, amen and amen. So I'm going to encourage you, if you have a, a Bible to turn on or a Bible to open, let's go to Matthew chapter 24. We're starting a new series this morning called Asking for a Friend. And what we're doing is taking a, a tough question of the faith, one each, uh, of each week this month, and kind of answering that, going over that, looking what the Word of God has to say. But what we want to do is get questions from you. See what questions about the faith you might have, questions about the Bible, about Jesus, about what it means to be a Christian. And so we'd love to get your questions that we're going to also answer very soon as well. So there's two ways you can get us those questions. First, on our Facebook page, you can send us a message uh, through our weekly emails that we send out to you. There's going to be a link that you can click that link and fill that out. Those of you that are watching online this morning, there's a link called questions there. You can click that and you can fill out a, a question you might have. Or if you want to just write it down, take out that welcome card. And in the prayer request section, uh, just write out your question. And then on your way out the door, put that card there in that gray offering box. And we'll answer those questions uh, soon as well. You know, when we think about 2020, I think one of the first questions we ought to tackle is are we living in the end times? You know, is this kind of the end? Because if you look at 2020, I mean, it's been a crazy year, amen? And we're only in September. <laughs> Still got a little ways to go to get out of this thing. But if you think about it, we have seen so far in 2020 millions of locusts swarming in East Africa. Uh, you had wildfires burning out of control in Australia. We've obviously seen that happening in California right now and out west to us. Same thing, wildfires out of control. There was a major earthquake that happened in Utah earlier this year. We had two hurricanes out in the Gulf of Mexico at the same time. And we don't want to say the name of it, but we've had this little worldwide pandemic called COVID-19. And what still concerns me to this day is we just breezed over the murder hornets, right? No one's still talking about those things out there. So if you kind of package all that up, the question comes to mind, are we in the end? I mean, you may have thought that by watching the news. Somebody may have asked you that. People have asked me this, like, pastor, all this going on. Are we in the end times? And here's the answer to that. The answer is yes and no. Yes, we are in the end times. And no, we're not in the end times. All right? Now you're looking at me thinking, Lee, you're talking like a politician because you're saying, but you know, Dog out of both sides of your mouth. All right, hear me, let me explain. Okay? When Jesus came to this earth, Jesus was born of a virgin, born like you and I are born. He had a, he had a normal birth, grew to be a man, fully God, fully man. That's what separates us from Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for my sin and your sin. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 that Christ came and he became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So when you place your faith in Jesus, what happens is there's an exchange. Jesus gets your sin, you get his righteousness. But when they killed him on a cross, they put him in a tomb. Three days later, he rose again. When he rose again, he holds the keys to everything. Now, he has the power and the authority over all. He has the authority over sin, over Satan, over death. 
But Jesus, after he rose, he's ascended to the Father in heaven. And that's where Jesus is today. He's in heaven waiting to come again when God the Father says, it's time. So when Jesus went to heaven, that started the clock, if you will, on the end times. So we're in between this period of time from the first coming and the second coming of Jesus. Now we read of both of those comings in the Bible. So we're in that kind of inner period of the first and the second coming. So think of it this way. Every day Jesus does not come back is a day closer to Jesus coming back. Right? So if he doesn't come back today, then when we wake up tomorrow, it's one day closer to him coming back. So in that sense, we're in the end times because every day is getting closer to him coming back. But we're not in the end times in the sense of the book of Revelation and the seven-year tribulation period. We're not there yet, but we're getting closer to being there. So what I want us to do is to think about this question. If Are we in the end times and say, yes, we are, but no, we're not. So how do we live in this period we're in? How do we live as each day we're getting closer and closer to Christ coming back? How do we live when we see things happening in our world that Jesus says is a sign of his return? And so when you come to Matthew chapter 24, what's happening up in verse 1 is Jesus is left the temple. Now this is in the last week of the earthly life of Christ before they crucify him on the cross. And the disciples are pointing out to him all the buildings in verse 1. And I love what that is doing there. Essentially, you got to remember these are country boys from Galilee that have come to the big city, okay? And so they're looking like, man, look at the temple. Look at all these big buildings. You know, they're, they're saying, Jesus, look how cool the big city is because they're out from the sticks. Jesus says this in verse 2. He says, you see all these things, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be one left here, one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So what Jesus does in verse 2 is he's saying there's coming a point in time that Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. Now history tells us that was 70 A.D., So this is about a 40-year-out prophecy that Jesus is saying, look, there's coming a time, this place is going to be rubble, all right? The the Romans are going to come in, this is going to be destroyed. Now I want you to pick up in verse 3 with me, because Jesus is going to start talking about signs of the end of the age. He says in verse 3, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, say us, tell us when these things will be, right? So tell us when verse 2 is going to happen. But notice the back half of the question. There's two questions. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered and said, See that no one leaves you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, and they'll lead many astray. And you'll hear wars and rumors of war. See, you're not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Now notice verse 8. And all of these are but the beginning of the birth pains. And so what Jesus is doing is he's talking about two events. He's talking about the fall of Jerusalem and his second coming. And he's weaving those in and out all throughout chapter 24. 
But he gives you and I signs of what that time's going to look like. And when you look at the signs he gives us, these are things we see through history, but we see right now happening that ought to make us think and put up our spiritual antennas of, oh, wait a minute, we might be getting closer and closer to the return of Christ. So let's look at those signs. First sign is this. Jesus says in verse 5 that many false teachers will come and claim to be Christ. He says, for many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, and they're going to lead many astray. Now, we can look throughout history, and we can see there's plenty of people that have done that. You look in ancient history, you look in modern day history, and look at guys like Jim Jones and David Koresh that were false messiahs, that were trying to lead people astray from Christ. Now, understand, there's a lot of people that are still out there today doing the same thing. You have false teachers running rampant out there right now. And that's why this is important. It's important for you as a congregation to have a Bible with you when you hear the Word of God. Now, understand this. My commitment as a preacher is to preach from the Bible. And there is a very strategic reason why I have a Bible in my hand every week. I know I could preach from an iPad. I've, I've got an iPad up here with me. And my iPad, what I have up here, are notes. And my notes are simply just, hey, Lee, stay on the tracks, all right? Because if I don't have my notes, man, I can start chasing a lot of rabbits, and we're not out of here until probably about 1 o'clock, all right? So I got to get my thoughts together, and I write them down on, an I, you know, on my iPad just to help me stay on track. That's the point of the sermon where you want to go, amen, okay? Right? Okay? Thank you for that. But I strategically don't hold an iPad when I open up the Bible. I hold a Bible. And here's where I'm just a little bit of old school, okay? I want you to see as a congregation where I'm getting what I'm showing you. That's my commitment to you. But here's my co that commitment I want you to make to me. As I'm up here doing that, I want you with a finger on the text as well. So whether you have an iPad, whether you have an iPhone, or you have a Bible, I, I don't mind what you open up, but I encourage you to open up. Because here's what happens. As I'm going through it, I want you to have a finger on the text going, okay, I can see that. Or going, oh, hang on, wait, wait, wait a minute. What about this? What about that? See, when a pastor stands before people and he sees them have the Bible open too, it helps them be accountable. And so you hold teachers accountable by keeping that finger on the text, just as I'm committed to you of keeping my finger on the text. And that way, you can learn to discover what's false and what's right. And so Jesus says, a sign of the end, our false teachers are coming. Notice another sign of the end. There's going to be verse 6, wars and rumors of war. And, and C says, don't be alarmed, for that's going to take place. Now we know the disciples would have understand this. They knew what it was for kingdom to rise up against kingdom. And they knew what war was. We know what war is. We know rumors of war. We understand that. He says in verse 7, another sign is going to be earthquakes and famines. Well, again, we understand those things. We see those in our world. Did you know last year in 2019, there was recorded 9,000 earthquakes worldwide? Worldwide, there was recorded 9,000 earthquakes. Now, good news is, uh, you know, the previous year, there was 12,000 earthquakes. So we're doing a little better right there. 
We still got three months to go, but (laughs) we're at least not as bad as 2019 and 2020 in that regard. But 9,000 earthquakes. Our world understands earthquakes. We understand famines. Notice another sign that he gives us are the birth pains. Verse 8, all these are but the beginning of birth pains. I think those birth pains started right there in 70 A.D., 70 AD, when that prophecy came true, the clock started ticking. And understand this about birth pains. Ladies, you're going to get this far better than us guys. We were just in the rooms when you were delivered, if you were in there like I was. But ladies, you understand this whole lot better. Before the baby is born, the birth pains increase in intensity, and they increase in the times they happen. So they're going to get stronger They're going to get more prevalent. They're going to happen more and more and more and more. They're going to happen over and over and over, and they're going to get stronger and stronger right before that baby is born. Now listen, was your baby born on the first contraction? Ladies are like, yeah, I wish it was. (laughs) The baby's not often born on the first birth pain. Maybe not the fifth birth pain. The 50th birth pain, the 100th birth pain, the 500th birth pain. We don't know when the baby comes. We just know the baby comes after a birth pain. And and so Jesus may come after the next earthquake. He may come after the next worldwide pandemic. He may come after the next war. He may come after the next famine. We don't know when he's coming, but we can look and say, here's what the Bible says is a sign of his coming. We can look and say, here's what's happening in our world. We know these things are happening with more intensity. We know these things are happening more frequently. So as those things happen more and more and more, is he coming then? What birth pain is it going to be on? So if that's the sign of his coming, what are you and I to do right now today? What are you and I to do? Because Jesus is saying, don't ignore these signs, but here's a way to live. And the way he tells us in verses 9 through 13 on how to live is to keep on pressing in your faith. To keep on going in your faith. To have perseverance in your faith. Pick up in verse 9. He says, then they will deliver up to you tribulation. I'll put you to death. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And then many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So notice what Jesus is saying. As these things keep happening and happening and happening, here's the response of the Christian. You keep on pressing. You keep on going. Do you notice what he said in verse 6? Look at it again, because this part you need to underline, circle, exclamation point, star, highlight, do whatever you got to do to remember verse 6. You'll hear of wars, rumors of wars, See that you're not alarmed. Don't panic. (laughs) It's what Jesus is saying. Don't panic when you see these things. When you look out at our world and you see all this happening, don't panic. Don't be alarmed. It's going to happen. Stay focused. Keep pressing. 
Keep going is what Christ is saying. So that means this. There are things that are beginning to happen within our country that has been happening to countries around our world for hundreds of years. And one of those areas is religious freedoms being threatened. 2020 has opened up the door that you and I as churches, we're going to face against our governments moving forward. Whether it's the national government, the state government, the local government, we've seen in 2020 the religious freedoms of churches being in danger like we have never seen in our country's history. But guess what? That's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. I mean, what does Jesus say? He's saying, guys, it's going to get harder before it gets better. He said, persecutions are going to come. And what's going to happen is this. Either you're going to keep walking with Jesus or you're going to walk away from Jesus. Because he says there, as those things rise, there are going to be people who endure to the end, verse 13. Or there's going to be people who go, hey, I don't want any of this. And they're going to walk away. So what you're beginning to see in America right now is the death of cultural Christianity. We've seen this through the pandemic. There have been plenty of people who go, look, it's not culturally being easy now to be a Christian. It's not culturally being cool to be a Christian. I don't know if I really want to keep worshiping this Jesus. But what's the proof of salvation? What's the proof Is the proof of your salvation when you prayed a prayer? Or is it verse 13? Put your finger on the text and look at what Jesus says. He says, to the one who endures to the end will be saved. The one who keeps pressing, the one who keeps going, that's the evidence of the one who has me as a Savior. So let me say this, church. Keep pressing. Keep walking, keep serving, keep loving Jesus. Will it get easier at times? No. Will it get harder? Yes. Is it worth it? You better believe it. Because what we're starting to experience, other countries have been experiencing for years and years and years. In 2019, the World Watch List which is a Christian organization, they highlighted 50 countries that are the hardest on Christians in our world. Listen to some of these stats. In those 50 countries that are the hardest on Christians in our world, a total last year of 1,266 Christian churches were attacked. 2,645 Christians in prison without a trial. 4,136 Christians killed for their faith. So in those top 50 countries that persecute Christians, on average, 11 Christians in our world die for their faith every day. And here's good news. When a government suppresses, when people lock us away, when people close the door, when people say, I'm going to kill you for your faith, the gospel keeps going. Paul says it in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. Even though I am in chains, you cannot chain the word of God. Amen? So the only way the gospel stops is if you and I stop sharing. And Jesus says, keep pressing. 
as you look at these signs, as you see what's happening in our world, keep going. Stay faithful unto the end. But notice we need to stay on mission. As we're pressing on, we've got a mission. Look in verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Did you notice how he put that? Look, that, that's coming right out of all that persecution talk in verses 9 through 13. That's coming right out of all those signs and all those hardships. You notice what Jesus said? He didn't say if. He didn't say if the gospel is going to go everywhere. Jesus said the gospel will go everywhere. And when it hits every people group, the end will come. Then I'll come back. I want you to take that. That should encourage you as a believer in Jesus Christ. No matter how hard it gets, Jesus still wins. No matter how bad it looks, Jesus still wins. No matter when you throw up your hands at the next thing 2020 is going to bring you and say, man, this is getting nuts, Jesus still wins. You and I have a mission. Here at Heights, we say our mission is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. What we want to do is be a sharing church. We don't want to just be people who know good news. We want to share good news. And so one of the things we do is like a 1040 and invite challenge where we want to invite over a thousand people to our, to hear the word of God this year. And so we do that just through personal invitations. Why? Because it ain't going to get better until we tell people about the one who can make it better. Right? We speak up on a lot of things as Christians, but what we rarely speak up on is the one who can make life better for someone. Share the one that can make life better. And that's what you and I are to do. That's what verse 14 is. Share the one who can make things better. Because when we share it and it hits every people group, then the end comes. Jesus comes back. Now, I know one of the biggest questions we get sometimes when you look at that verse is simply this. How do we know when everybody gets the gospel? How do we know when it hits every people group? And that's a fantastic question. I'm going to let a guy by the name of George Ladd answer it. He wrote this in his book, The Gospel of the Kingdom. He said, God alone knows the definition of the terms. He said, I can't precisely define all who the nations are, but I don't need to know. I only know one thing. Christ does not return. Therefore, the task is not yet done. When it's done, Christ will come. So as long as Christ does not return... Our work is undone. So let's get busy and complete the mission. Keep pressing on in the power of Christ. Stay on mission. But I want you to notice the third reaction that you and I are to have as we live in this end times is to be ready. Be ready for the return of Christ. Find verses 36 through 44 with me. And let's read those together. Jesus says, but concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For and in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. They were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will become the coming of man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one left. Two women at the mill, one will be taken, one left. Verse 42, therefore stay awake, for you do not know what the day of the Lord is coming. But know this, 
that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Verse 44, Jesus says this, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour in which you do not expect. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2, Paul says it this way, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. How does Jesus say he's going to come back? Unannounced, like a thief, sudden. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter that Noah preached for 120 years as he was building the ark. For 120 years, Noah was building a boat in the desert, and his message was, it's going to rain and rain bad, get on the boat. And people said, no. We're just going to go on about our lives. It's never rained like that before. We're in the middle of the desert. You're crazy for building a boat out here. We're fine the way we are. And how does Jesus say he's going to come back? Just like in the days of Noah. When people are living their lives like just like any other day. This past week, we remembered September 11th, 2001. You know, on September 11, 2001, it was a Tuesday. And on that Tuesday morning, thousands of people woke up, went through their daily routine. Maybe they sat at the breakfast table with their spouse and they went over the day's activities and the day's events. A mom on their way out the door hugged her daughter and said, I'll see you at your dance recital later tonight. You know, a, a dad patted his son on the head and said, good luck at your soccer game. Hope the history test goes well. Thousands of people got on a subway that day. They boarded airplanes. They cleared security like there was no problem. Everything was going normal. Everything in your life was normal that day. But for those of us that were alive at that moment, You can remember where you were when you heard the first plane hit the tower. You can remember how you felt. You can remember what you thought. And of those thousands of people, as firemen clocked into their fire stations, policemen and policewomen signed in for duty that morning, they would never have thought what was going to happen happened. But at the end of that day, 3,000 people that said, see you tonight, see you for lunch, see you later today, didn't make it home. And that ought to remind us of something. You got to be ready for the return of Jesus. That's your responsibility. That's what Jesus says. He's going to return. We can look at all the signs of our world and we can see it's getting more uh, intense. We can see the frequency of all those signs he went over. Jesus says, I'm coming. And you don't know the day I'm coming, but be ready. And the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is you can be ready. And you can be ready by right now giving your life to Jesus Christ. And so wherever you're hearing my voice, whether you're hearing my voice here in this worship center, where you're hearing my voice right now on the, on the live stream, whether you're hearing my voice later, listening on the audio podcast, right now, get ready. Give your life 
to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning that we will be ready for your return. As believers in Christ, I pray, Father, that our our posture is not one of panic, that we are not alarmed at what we are seeing, but that our activity as believers is to keep on pressing, to keep with our perseverance going in the power of Jesus, to stay on mission. I pray this morning for those who are not ready for the return of Christ. As much as we'd love to see you come back in our lifetime, Jesus, as, because we know when you come, you bring all of heaven with you. All the evil, sin, pain is forever defeated. Jesus, we want to see that. But God, I've got loved ones who aren't saved. I've got friends who aren't saved. There's people that are right now in this room watching in their living rooms, driving in their cars, hearing this message. They know people who aren't saved. And so as much as we pray for your return, Jesus, we pray for you to wait. We pray for them to be ready. Right now, get ready for the return of Christ. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, there is no better day than right now to come to know him. There's no better time than right now. You don't know when he's coming back off that next birth pain. It could be tomorrow. It could be a week. It could be a year. It could be another thousand years. We don't know, but the Bible says be ready because today you could breathe your last breath just as 19 years ago on 2001 at September 11th, 3,000 people breathed their last breath. They weren't expecting that day to stand before God, but they were, and they did. If you're ready today, whether you're watching online, you're listening at home, you're here in the worship center, if you're ready to place your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You call on his name, you ask him for salvation, and you place that faith and trust in him. When you do that, the Bible says you are saved. And so I'm going to encourage all of you to pray in the manner and the way that God's leading you to pray. Maybe it's to pray for folks you know uh, who don't know Christ as their Savior. Maybe it's to pray for yourself to say, Lord, it's tough, it's hard right now, but help me to keep pressing. But for those of you that are ready to get ready, who are right now ready to place your faith and trust in Jesus, you can pray along with me. Dear God, I know that I need Jesus today. And I'm ready to place my faith and trust in Jesus. I've sinned against you, God. And I'm turning to Jesus for forgiveness. I want to follow Christ. Today, I'm committing myself to that. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for answering our prayers. Thank you for being a God who is great, that in the midst of suffering at times, in the midst of all these birth pains we've experienced, we can look and to say how great you are because we know the end of the story, Jesus wins. And we pray this morning for those that may have prayed for the very first time 
to place their faith and trust in Christ. We celebrate with that as the angels in heaven do as well. Lord, we love you. Help us to continue to follow you. Strengthen us in that, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.